is the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, the best of Cardinals talk on the web. I'm your host, Jess Root from CardsWire.com, the USA Today's NFL Wire site that covers the Arizona Cardinals. With me in this review show is Seth Cox, my co-host from RevengeOfTheBirds.com, the SB Nation Arizona Cardinals site, and also one of the hosts of the original Draft Breakdown podcast. And now, you know, he's, he's a championship-winning coach too, assistant coach for his for his youth teams. Uh, so congrats to that, Seth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the fun part, right? Just getting the kids out there, teach them how to play football and stuff like that. So, yeah, three years as a head coach and three championship games and two and one in the championship. So that's, not, that's not good bad. stuff. One, one year left, then I can retire forever. <laughs> Absolutely. We're, this is episode 497. We are almost at episode 500 on, after, you know, 10 and a half years of shows. And we are going to focus this episode on the Cardinals' loss to the San Francisco 49ers, a 45-29 to defeat. They did not cover the spread, which was disappointing. I was hoping for I, I was I was hoping for that that onside kick and and a desperation touchdown to to get it to uh, get it to the cover. But they didn't give that. They blew the over. Um, anyone if you if you followed our our props, Jake Moody, yep, definitely got over three and a half extra points. Uh, Connors and laddering Connors numbers is good. Uh, Christian McCaffrey's number also good. Yeah, it was it was pretty much if if you had if you had money on our props, you made money. But except for the the spread. Yeah, yeah, and you know the big ones like you said, the plus money bets with um, with Prater field goals made. You know that hit in the first half, and then Moody extra extra points made. Uh, that hit in early in the third quarter, and then. Um, you know, probably should have gone with with McCaffrey. Like, I, I went Purdy two touchdowns just to see if it would happen. You know, plus forty five hundred. Put a dollar on it, win forty five bucks. <laughs> Not nothing to complain about. For me, it was James Conner. Like my my game picks, I went zero for three on all my all my underdog picks. I've been, I'm in a bit of a rut. I'm I'm two and. That's, what am I now? Two and eleven in my last twelve pick. I mean, two and ten in my last twelve picks in the last four weeks. Uh, been and I and I I missed on the Cardinals and covering, but my James Conner bets got me even for the weekend when I yeah, that, well, I when that, I laddered the the over the fifty one and a half, and then I took the sixty plus and I took the seventy plus, and that forty four yard run made me feel good for the weekend at least for for my wallet. Yeah, and and you look at it, I mean. We couldn't have. I mean, we we liked. We talked a lot about Christian McCaffrey's over in his total yardage. Um, I don't think either of us saw him leading the the Forty ers and receiving yardage in that game. I mean, you think about it. Purdy threw for two hundred forty two yards, and the receiving leader was Christian McCaffrey with seventy two. George Kittle had fifty four on two catches. Uh, you know. Debo had the targets for Debo and Ayuk were there. They just they didn't get the big plays that we were expecting. I mean, um, Debo did get 
two touchdowns, and that that first touchdown that was absolutely uncup. I, I I'm pretty sure Buddha got, got Buddha made a mistake on that and then got caught in the wash. Uh, right on that but well and then in the second one with with christian mccaffrey the other wide open touchdown you saw jalen thompson you know lose his his coverage and in, in what looked like cover three and and he didn't stay deep on that no and, you know, uh, you know that, that one was interesting because like he was kind of da- damned if he did it damned if he didn't um, yeah, but you, you always got to remember in that situation, you'd rather give up a long run <laughs> or, or be able to come up and hit Brock Purdy than uh, than the, the eighty thousand year touchdown. Like he yeah. <laughs> Purdy overthrows him, he leaps up, makes the catch, falls over, gets back up, and gets in the end zone untouched. Yeah, that was yeah, that wasn't a very good good play. But but. If you're talking about draft position, this was kind of what you wanted to see. You wanted to see the Cardinals play relatively well and lose the game. They didn't lose any. They they didn't lose any standing um, with the with the draft. They're still a number three. The Texans picked stupid Texans beating the Titans. I didn't know what the Titans were doing. They had a nice comfortable lead. And they go and lose the game in overtime. And the and the the, the Texans picked moved down to number seventeen. But let's just talk about, let's start off by talking about the positives in the win against the 49ers because, you know, in, in both games, now this time they scored, like, like, you have to look at the offensive production because, number one, they had a season high in yards and a season high in points, and they did it against one of the very best defenses in the league, asterisk, without their two best defensive tackles. But nonetheless... They took advantage of that, and that was that was a very positive thing to see. Yeah, and and that was the thing is like we're finding positives and and building blocks as the season continues, and I think that's the big thing. I mean, you know, we looked at it; it, it wasn't the the best game um, from Kyler Murray, and we'll get to that. But it wasn't. But it was also a game where like. You look at it, and he had. He, it wasn't. You know, he wasn't the reason they lost. He he did a nice job. You know, he he missed a couple throws. Um, you know, the first pick I look at, and that's one of those situations where it's tough because if the receivers are creating separation like they're supposed to, then Trey McBride's open because. Um, well, and, and also, if our the receivers target. are creating separation on the cross, they have that throw and they have the first down. Easy. Right, and, and Charverius Ward can't, because that wasn't even Ward's guy. That was the crazy thing is that the Cardinals receivers just kind of ran flat routes and didn't create any separation or opening, and so he was able to come back. It was a hell of a play by Ward, uh, he was able to come off his guy and and make that play, you know. And so you look at that, and it's like, it's like, huh? Then the 49ers are just going to sell out to stop the running game, right? And I don't think they did necessarily. Uh, I I know that they 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 packed the box quite a bit. They they run blitz quite a bit, but they they didn't. I wouldn't say they like basically loaded the box with eight guys the whole game and and dared Arizona to throw the ball, but they, you know, there were very few five, six man boxes. They were going up against mostly six, seven man boxes in the game. And, and 
you know, being able to run against that defense, I know they're without Javon Hargrave and, and Eric Armstead, but you look at it and that's what they should have been doing, right? Like, right, right. You're they're without their two star interior players. I mean, we can make as many jokes as we want about the Cardinals' defensive line situation, but <laughs> the the Forty ers I mean, Hargrave and Armstead are probably better than every duo in the NFL, maybe outside of outside of Philly. But Philly's hasn't been good lately, so maybe I mean, so maybe they're just the best duo in the like. That's how good those guys are. So it's nothing, you know, it's it's not the normal week where we're like, oh, well, these guys would start on. No, these guys would probably start everywhere in the NFL. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and, and so, um, you know, to see them rise up and, and, and really dictate the game, and, and that's when you knew the Cardinals really had no chance at a comeback, right? I mean, let's just be honest. They, they basically said, hey, we're going to hold the ball for 34 minutes and so this doesn't get out of hand and you know their defense just is is awful i mean there's no <laughs> yes. other and and we will talk about the defense specifically but yeah the, what the cardinals they absolutely needed they absolutely needed a stop or a turnover and they couldn't afford and they couldn't afford the turnovers on offense but but that right. again we're, we're talking about we want to focus on the positives right now and and I think, and, and yeah, and so like you look at it. I mean, their rush game was was the. I mean, and again, these are all you know semantic based arguments and things like that. But Pro Football Reference does their you know expected points thing, um, and and their rush offense only trailed the the Forty ers pass offense in terms of expected points in the game. I mean. Their their rush offense was expected points just under 12, 11.77. Now, again, how good was the 49ers passing game? Double <laughs> that. It was 22.4. So, like, their passing game was out of this world, but the Cardinals' rush offense did more than enough to give the Cardinals a really, you know, good chance to win, to win the game. But like, like Jeff said, like, you can't, even if you're – running that well and I, I'll, I'll say this too like i don't want to take anything away from what the cardinals accomplished in that game because i thought there was a lot of great things but i you do also wonder if the 49ers are like okay aren't they gonna just start flinging the ball around and, and i mean they were just patient and they they can i mean they ran the ball 30 times in the game the the 49ers who won by three scores ran the ball 26 times in the game like that's that's a baffling baffling situation you know the cardinals won the yardage battle yeah you know? they, they, like there were good metrics to that so they they were okay on third they had well they faced a ton of third downs they weren't terrible on third down they outgained the 49ers 436 to 406 they had more offensive plays they outgained them in the rush game they had 234 rushing yards they had they won time of possession 34 11 to 25 49 and and they were then they were one hundred percent. Oh, I'm sorry. I was looking at the field goals. They they hit the field goals. Um, but yeah, they just they did. Oh, they were. There's lots of good things. And I think the big best best thing about the run game is that. And I think that's been the most exciting thing about the run game this year is been the explosiveness um, that they're getting. It's not just that they're getting some consistency. 
but they're also breaking off big runs. I mean, you had James Connors 40, 44 yarder. You had Imari DiMarcato have a 49 yarder. Uh, Michael well, Carter had a 19 yarder. Kyler had a 15 yarder. It, it's they're getting they're get they're they're staying on schedule with it and and like and I will say the Connor was was grinding it out. He had three. He averaged three and a third three point two yards per carry on the other thirteen that he had. But that that's the thing is is they're not getting stuffed for nothing. They're getting positives and then they break the big ones. That's that's something we really haven't seen from a Cardinals offense really ever. Um, this many explosives. Well, and that's and that's the craziest thing about this stat in this game was that you look at the the top five big plays from scrimmage. The Cardinals were one, two, and four. They the forty nine yard run by Amari Di Mercado, the forty four yard run by James Conner. McCaffrey had that forty one yard reception, but then Trey McBride had a thirty eight yard reception as well. So like three plays of thirty five yards or more in a game is is really really good positives on offense and that's you know again we the the expectations were incredibly low coming into this game and in you know i know you can't take the kyler uh pick six out of it but you take the kyler pick six out of it and and they you know 38 29 is not bad um no and you know know, in the end that would have been a cover (laughs) <laughs> right, right, which, so, which is better than we could have expected. I mean, really, and um, it was still, it was, st- they still kept it less than the seventeen I expected. I said sixteen and a half. They kept it under sixteen, or they kept it at sixteen. So that was, you know, surprising. And again, they, they, they fell on a two point conversion again. You know, God, stop going for two. That, God. Well, Freaking. either that or just hire Cliff back just to run two point conversion <laughs> attempts, and that's it. They are so. Uh, it's just so Don't frustrating. Don't give them any other job other than, hey, you designed two-point conversion plays. Um, I, I think we have to – I think we also have to – we have to. I mean, it is obligation to talk about the play of Trey McBride, who had 10 catches for 102 yards, okay? Now, remember, we went 34 years to the day between between 100-yard games from a tight end, and now within about a month, Trey McBride has two, and – he is just absolutely like he's shooting up like partially because there's no one else doing anything, but it's not just that because he he is becoming a focal point. Defenders are paying attention to him and he's still producing. And right now, again, so we look at that as a positive of how he's playing. It's part of the negative, but the Cardinals offense right now, looks like the the Baltimore Ravens offense from a couple of years ago except for the fact that the defense is no good um they're they're running the ball really well um they're the tight ends are producing in fact it was it was another kind of a ridiculous stat they had 26 completions 22 of them went to running backs and tight ends uh the receivers and we'll talk about the receiver production later is one of the negatives but I mean Trey McBride had a great game. Elijah Higgins, four catches for 44 yards. He had a touchdown, and that was a lot of that came after uh, after Jeff Swain left. And Jeff Swain had himself a nice a nice lucky 26 yard pass when when there's a throw to 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 McBride. McBride yeah. He got he got he got you know interfered with, but then the ball bounced off of him and right into the hands of Swain. And so that that went for 26 yards. And so they got big production. I mean, they ended up with 100 and 
172 yards just from the tight ends. Yeah, and, and you look at it, and there's a lot that we can discuss, obviously, but um, and we'll get to the negatives shortly, but it's crazy to think that this is a um, this is a offense built around running the ball, play action pass to the tight end game. Um, and so then you look at certain things and and you look at different situations and you say there's a lot of positive to build on this. The offensive line isn't, you know, great in pass protection, but they're starting to bully teams in the run game. They have a, you know, a very diverse running group between the power of Connor you know, the patience of, of DiMarcato, the the electric... Um, He's slippery and fast. My yeah, God. I mean, somebody, actually one of my, my oldest sons said, he reminds me a lot of Andre Ellington. I was like, hey, that's a very, you know, yeah, like yeah. good kind of callback. Like, hey, give this guy seven touchers a game. He's going to get you 70 yards, and people are going to be like... You need to give him 20 snaps, <laughs> 20 touches a game because he's going to average 200 yards. And then you'd be like, oh, wait, he's going to average on 20 touches. He's going to average 80 yards a game because he's not going to. And then he's not going to play either. So, um, you know, and then obviously the dynamic running ability of Kyler. And, and we didn't even talk about that that much in this in this game. Because you look at it, I mean, Kyler. Tyler ran six times for, I think, 48 yards. 49, um, 49. 49, yeah. So, like, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, you just – you get the grinded out. Like you said, the one big run kind of skewed James's stats from the game in total. But you get the – and and same for DiMarcado. But DiMarcado was on pace for about, you know, five yards per carry in the game. Uh, Connor was going to hit between three and a half and four, depending on how kind of those last ones went. You know, you get Kyler at about eight yards per carry and then Michael Carter at nine yards per carry. And then you throw in, you know, Carter, he didn't, they, they don't run. That's where the biggest drop off is, is they don't run the screen game well yet. And again, that, I think that comes from the lack of athleticism at, at the offensive line, something we can talk about after the season's over and things like that. But, you know, going straight ahead, this offensive line seems really, really good. Um they're just going to have to get better at straight drop back protection and and moving in terms of of the screen game but if you've got a really good run game and you can you know you can tweak those pieces and you go hey okay we get a you know we we swap pj to to the left side and and dj goes or or we give dj one more year and we find a a, a suitable kind of Will Hernandez type at left guard, you know, and all of a sudden your your line's set for at least one more year and, and you can upgrade that. Because, I mean, you look at this game, Tristan Colon and Elijah Wilkinson, they didn't split snaps. I think it was more close to 70-30 in favor of Colon. But it's just, I mean, it's clearly not, it's still not working. But you've got, I think you've got good pieces. Froholt's fine. I, I mean, obviously upgradable but he's not the disaster he was what three weeks ago right uh, four weeks ago uh you know hernandez and, and paris johnson are are your best two linemen i mean it's not even really a question and then and then a lot you know we can talk about dj 
again at the end of the year. But I want to kind of give him some grace with the revolving door at left guard. He hasn't had anybody that's been good next to him consistently. And so it, it does make it tough on the tackle when you are coming off an injury, when you're getting up there in age, and now all of a sudden you basically are, are having to bail out your teammate what every single play because he's just not up to the task. And so I'll give him some grace on that. And that, you know, like you said, that is just such a, like, when was the last time we looked at the Cardinals and go, Hey, they have a really, really strong running game that they can build around. They have a borderline and, you know, we're not there yet, but borderline on the precipice of great tight end with you know that that we're talking about we're we will start talking about him in the kittle kelsey andrews conversation if he finishes the last three games like he's played these past seven and then starts next year on on that same plane like all of a sudden you're talking about like oh man those things that they've never had in place they're in place and while getting getting a great wide receiver is not easy. They're much more plentiful than when you're talking about great tight ends and, and a really good run blocking offensive line. And so like it's, it's much easier to plug in a wide receiver than it is those other six positions that we just mentioned. So I think those are incredibly positive things to, to look at because again, I don't want to take anything away because, you know, Javon Hargrave and Eric Armstead are without a doubt the most elite duo of interior defensive linemen in the NFL. But, I mean, they there were plays where they made Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, Chase Young, um, Dre Greenlaw. Like, they made all of these guys look bad. And, and that is, I think you have to be, like, understanding, like, yeah, it sucked that they got their doors blown off but if they could get like two stops on defense this is a whole different yeah. type of conversation absolutely coming up next on the rise of Red podcast special of cardinals talk on my babe let's move on and and unfortunately more of the rest of the show is kind of the, the gross stuff first up wide receiver production that's coming up next on rise of sea red we're back on the rise of sea red podcast the best of our cardinals talk on the web um, the wide pre- wide receiver position right now has been kind of a disaster um, a little for the last little while. Michael Wilson back in action after missing four of the previous five. Hollywood Brown catchless in two consecutive games. He's basically been invisible for the past three games. Um, the, the Rams game, he was fantastic. And then since then, he, the last three games he's been dealing with basically last month, uh, a heel injury that just can't, he can't get over. And, and, and Gannon, Gannon pointed to, and, and I think we, we've mentioned this. So while we look at the last three games and his lack of production, we look at his numbers overall and how, you know, meager they are for supposing to supposed to be their top receiver their number one and we recognize that outside of these three games that in terms of film 
he's been he's had a fantastic year. He's been cooking players. He's been cooking defenders. And and his place on this offense is kind of critical because his presence opens things up for other uh, because schematically what they're doing different than Hollywood with Hollywood this year than previous years is that when last season with with Cliff basically they used Hollywood kind of the same way they used Hopkins and so there were a lot of speed outs and so they was getting volume type things and they do some work down, down the field in the intermittent the deep game Hollywood is doing a lot down the field and that is to stretch things out so one if they can hit the deep ball great two uh, it also opens things up for his, the tight ends in the run game and things like that. But, you know, you can't excuse what's happened the last two weeks from their receivers. And this, this game, it was four catches for 20 yards. Zero catches for Hollywood. Zero catches for Michael Wilson. When the two of them were the biggest contributors on offense against the 49ers in week four, Hollywood had seven for 96. Uh, Wilson had seven for 76 and two touchdowns. And and they were non-existent. They they combined for as many catches and yards as you and I did, um, and that's not good when your job is football. Yeah, and I don't know if you've watched it yet. I, I rewatched it already. There weren't a lot of plays where you're like, "Oh, he missed Hollywood." Oh, he missed Michael Wilson. Like most of the plays were borderline, like ugh. Like, yeah. What is? Like... Yeah. Well, there was there was one play down the field. Um, Wilson didn't track the ball. Um, there were there were a couple of throws that uh, there was one throw that that I guess it was an out that that Kyler threw two out. Um, there was the end zone throw that was that Wilson couldn't come up with. Wilson yeah. didn't have. He, he, Wilson didn't look good. And it was the first time all year we've seen him play, and he was like, oh, no, he didn't look good. But it was also his first game back after missing three in a row and four out of five, and his shoulder was better. But And, and, and in fairness, and in kind of going back to what we were talking about, why the run game was open, why they didn't have you know loaded boxes, is because the 49ers knew going into that game, they looked at the tape from the first game, and they saw Hollywood and, and Wilson beat them. And so they stayed they probably stayed more shell as a result of that and said, well, I don't think they're like, if you look at that strategically, their defense isn't going to stop us. We're going to score points. And so if they just run the ball, they're not going to have enough. They're not going to have enough possessions to outscore us. Right. And there was no doubt about that. And and it was an interesting uh, choice by the Cardinals. But I mean, at the end of the day too, you have to look at it and you go, you know, the reality is we're, not going to stop them so if we just play keep away you know and and again you can't just go in and be like well you take the 10 points off turnovers off the board because that's part of the game but like (laughs) you know that's that's a huge um thing in that game so we'll see how it worked out uh and everything but uh you, you know it's it's difficult to watch this game and not see the uh it, it you know not see the the warts right and and the issues and and the first one is clearly that they just don't have any playmakers at wide receiver and it's it's tough because you know whether or not we're 
whether or not we're Greg Dork fans doesn't matter. He's at best probably a wide receiver four, and there's nothing wrong with that. Those are very productive, long tenured wide receiver fours in the NFL, right? He's just not. He's just not a guy. That, Definitely that, should not be your ex. Yeah. <laughs> no. Nor should Zach Pascal. He should no. And that's who he was throwing to at the end of that game when he was trying to rally the team back. And he was throwing the ball to Greg Dortch and Zach Pascal. And in let's just let's you think about his first year, okay? And and they needed receiver talent. This is nowhere near that. That 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 right there. In, when you take Hollywood out of the out of the mix, and and you're just saying your mix of receivers is a rookie, Michael Wilson, Rondell Moore, Greg Dortch, and Zach Pascal, and guess what? That is one of the that is a garbage group of receivers. If you're if you're <laughs> if you're tra- if you're trying to build a team, right? It is. It's it makes it tough, and and you know that's um. That's just the reality, man. Like, it's just not a very good group of receivers. There's not a ton of talent. There's not a And Rondell is, is – it's a bummer this year because, you know, I guess maybe Cliff knew what he was doing. Yeah, as, not put him in those situations. You're <laughs> like, we're going to get the ball horizontally and hope he breaks things out. Uh, yeah, and, and it's just he, – he's not doing much. And you, you saw the, the, the drop against – you know, against Pittsburgh, the, he was he was great. He had those two big, well, one big play that the two big plays that didn't happen. He had the drop and then the touchdown that was called back. Um, but there's just been it's just been few and far between from him when when Hollywood's been banged up and Wilson's been out. You you'd hope that that more could do more. I, I that <laughs> right. No, but you're right. Like you, you were hoping that there would be more from him and that you would get something, you know, from him consistently and you just don't get it. And, you know, it's tough, man. Like there's just not a whole lot of, there's just not a whole lot to be excited about in that situation. Um, And I mean, I guess the exciting thing is, like I said, it's really, it's a really, really good time to need a wide receiver, right? Like, that's that's the overreaching positive about the whole situation. So, you go from there, right? And then you look at the next thing, and you go the defense, and you go, well, where do we start? Yeah, let, let's do that next. Coming up next on the Rise of Seared podcast, the best of Cardinals talk on the web. Let's talk the defense overall, and in the last segment, we'll talk about the pass rush overall that's coming to next on rise up red we're back on the rise up red podcast best of cardinals talk on the web uh the defense is i mean we've got two segments about the defense overall um let's talk about overall and close then in the final segment when you get to to the pass rush specifically but this defense i mean we knew it going in there was no way there was just no way the Cardinals were going to have any chance of slowing this 49ers offense, which is honestly so multiple, so talented. You know, Brock Purdy's having, and he's, as of right now, he's the favorite to be the MVP. Say what you want about him as the type of quarterback he is, but he is producing at a high level. Um, after only one incompletion in week four against the Cardinals, he threw four touchdown passes on Sunday. 
Um, they limited the receiver production, but then gave up 187 yards to Christian McCaffrey. And 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 I just crunched the numbers on on this. Um, and I wrote, I published this on Cardswire. It's especially the, the the running back production against the Cardinals in division games has been insane. So we we look at two games against the 49ers. Christian McCaffrey, all all five games, the starting running back has gone for over 100 yards. Okay, so we had McCaffrey go for 106, and then one for 115. Uh, but in total yardage, he had 177 total yards in week four and four touchdowns. He had 187 yards and three touchdowns in week 15. So he scored seven touchdowns against the Cardinals. We know so know about Kyron Williams. Kyron Williams went for 148 and a touchdown in week six, and then in week 12. He had over 200 total yards and two touchdowns. Um, like Ken Walker had a pedestrian 111-yard total performance. He had 105 yards uh, rushing. He didn't score a touchdown, but you know he's healthy again. We saw him play. How well he played against the Eagles on Monday night, and we know that's coming. And so it's it's a problem. It, it's it's officially a problem, especially when you've got six games in the division and you cannot stop the top they're 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 running back and so and it comes down to an average in in five games against the nfc west running backs are producing an average of 167 point yards 0.4 yards and two touchdowns per game you're not winning games like that no you're not no you're not and that's um, i mean that's just the reality of it and and you go to the defense and you go you know and and it's easy to say, and then it's easy to talk about every week. But you look at the defense, and you go, "Okay, who are guys that you can keep?" And and <laughs> the the first name off the bat's obviously going to be Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson, right? Yep. But Kaiser so, White, so I, they, they're good, good, good thing they have them on a two year deal. Yeah, Kaiser White, and then from there you're like, okay, so let's just look, let's just run through the defensive front snaps, right? Like we don't have to go through all the, but like Josh Woods, he's. Whatever, you know, yeah, he could, he could be yeah, here or not. Yeah, he's. But if he's a starter again, you're expecting similar results, right? Like, right. You, if, you, if he's if he's in the role that he was at the beginning of the year, fantastic. Right. Um, you know, Jonathan Ledbetter, again, a guy that we've lauded on this show a dozen times about his his ability as a a rotational guy but now he's up in the you know what yeah. 70 70th percentile in snaps played if and he's your if he's your third best defensive tackle you like that defensive line room right uh dante stills a guy we we both like we think he's going to be good um pr- probably playing too much right now but he gives them something that they don't have and that's an interior pass rush uh so a guy that you know again you're going to keep you're, you're excited to see his growth. And even if this is as much as he becomes as a, what, fifth, sixth round pick, that's a huge, huge yes, win. Like absolutely. You're, you're talking about a guy that, okay, maybe instead of, instead of 30, 40 snaps a game, he's back into the, you know, teens, maybe hits twenties and you're okay with that 100%. And that's a six round pick. That's a big win. Um, Roy Lopez, again, a guy that nice story, local kid, um, if he's playing, you know, if he's playing 30, 40 snaps a game, it's it's a bad situation. Not anything wrong with him personally. Just again, a six round pick that that's bounced around the NFL. Um, 
you know, he's he's playing a lot more than he needs to. And and when Roy Lopez is playing 500 plus snaps in a season, guess what tends to follow? You're you have like, a bad defense. Yeah. Like, it's, <laughs> and, it's, and he's he's a fine NFL player. One hundred percent. There's nothing wrong with having him on your team. He just needs to be fourth or fifth defensive right. tackle that you're playing. You know, and and then so now we're getting. I mean, so those are the guys that are playing a lot. And now we're getting to a guy like Kevin Strong. Again, another guy that not a bad NFL player. It it's no coincidence that he's. Uh, bounced around a lot, and it's no coincidence that he's played his career high in snaps. And by the way, if you go through all the defenses he's played for, he's never really played for a good defense. And again, it's not a shot at Kevin Strong, but like when he's getting high level of snaps, especially the last two years, over 300 with the Tennessee Titans, and then now over 400 with the Arizona Cardinals, you're you're not surprised to see that, you know. And then and then you know we get kind of to the bottom. You got, you know, Naquan Jones, again, fine guy, uh, probably doesn't even be getting a lot of snaps. And then you look at the the outside backers and it's, it's the same thing, right? Victor Dimkeji's come back down to earth. You know, Jesse Lucetta. Special teams guy. He's, he's a, he's a, he's a roster glue guy. He's a good guy, but playing, playing much on defense. <laughs> yeah. B, you know, BJ Ojolari really, really has, kind of hit that rookie wall yeah um, he, he's the a, one guy you're like okay yeah he's talented right and and but not unexpected that you know he he played what he's played in every game he's at 300 snaps and i know people will be like well that's not very many but like it, uh, he it, didn't it, play it, he hardly at all to start the year. right right and so like his snaps have revved up so much the last i mean you look at the last five games 37 snaps, you know, two sacks, 35 snaps, one sack. And then his production kind of just like tanks. And it's not a shock. Like you start to play a lot. You're, you're young. You hit that wall. There's a reason they call it the rookie wall for a reason. I mean, like, and then, you know, guys, we like Zayvon Collins. He's really just, he's not a pass rush guy. Uh, Dennis Gardick, he's a pass rush only type of guy. Right. Um, and then, and then, uh, and the problem uh, is, as we'll get yeah. to, um, they're not getting sacks. Right. And so and so you're playing these guys. And, you know, Zayvon Collins, pretty pretty good guy against the run. Not bad. So what do teams do when he's in? Okay, we'll throw the ball. Um, <laughs> you look at, and then you look at Dennis Gardeck. And I'm not, like, making this up. You look at Dennis Gardeck. What do teams do when he's in? Oh hey, we're gonna we're gonna run the ball at him like and and so that's the thing is like when you have to play players like a Gardeck or a Collins in situations that they're not strong in, this these are the results and so you know you just look at it. It's unfortunate. We knew it was going to be tough, and it's probably a three year kind of rebuild. Like you because like you said, outside of the safeties and Kaiser White. I think you're I think you're happy with Garrett Williams growth, but it's not like you're expecting him to be, you know, your corner one. And then Antonio, Antonio Hamilton is very replaceable. He's nice, but right. very replaceable. You're, and then you can start Thomas, Keytrail Clark, those are those are all guys that give you hope. But should you bring in should you either draft or 
or sign a legitimate, like, no, he's a starter kind of guy, absolutely next offseason. Right. And that and that's where they're at. And that's just, I mean. Well, and honestly, you know what the problem is with the corners is Marco Wilson has failed spectacularly this year. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about that, right? If, if like, Marco he, is playing at a respectable level, then then their cornerback situation, you don't fear me. Like, but you like we're at the point now. Marco's gone because you know he was playing a lot early on. He was he was their main number one guy, and there's enough mistakes, and he's compl- he's only playing special teams now as a fourth round pick um, with his athleticism. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with him being a special teams guy. But when you, you were counting on him to be your number one, uh, he he was the. You know, he was the guy in line to follow Patrick Peterson and then Byron Murphy to be their number one. And his inconsistent play was finally played himself completely out of the rotation. And we know he's not going to be back next year, especially he's going to be due a big like not a massive, but but he'll be due a nice, nice bump in in salary up to about two point seven million because of the playing time that he's got for the first three years of his career. But and you feel a little hope and optimism for the cornerback position. And if you look at the game that they had, the corners didn't play poorly. Now, that was the thing. We've seen games where the corners are like you against San Francisco. The they didn't play poorly. But again, it's not like you they were tested much because it was all Christian McCaffrey. Right. And that's, that makes it difficult, you know, and you can't get overly upset about it either. Right. Cause it is the best player in the NFL and the guy that probably deserves to win the, the MVP over anybody else. Um, and so from that, you know, you, you just kind of look at it and, um, you just see that this team just lacks talent and you wonder, okay, how, how and where do they go from here and how does it all kind of play out? And, and, you know, right now it's not, it's not playing out well. Um, and, you know, people are getting upset with Jonathan Gannon and, and Nick Rollis, and it's like, well, you know, they're playing the best offense in the NFL. What what do you expect from them? Um, uh, so we'll see how it goes. I mean, there's just so much. There's only so much you can do, it, you know, and, and obviously we'll talk lows and lows about the draft as the time comes. But, like, right now it feels pretty simple to be like, hey, you take if Marvin Harrison Jr. is there and you pick third, you take Marvin Marvin Harrison Jr. And then you just keep throwing crap and and not crap, but like, you know, you keep throwing high end assets at the defense from there on out. Like if, if their first five picks, you know, all those top 100 picks and you take one wide receiver and four defensive players, I don't think anybody's going to really raise an eyebrow, right? Nope. Not at all. (laughs) Absolutely not at all. Um, let's move on to the next part. So coming to next on the Rise of Series podcast, the best of Cardinals talk about. We're going to continue with the defense, but specifically talk about the lack of the pass rush. No sacks in the last three games. That's coming to next on Rise of Sea Red. We're back on the Rise of Sea Red podcast, the best of Cardinals talk on the web. If you look at the sack leaders over the last three games for the Cardinals, they have none. They do not have a single sack in the last three games. Wait, that is that, that is the same number of sacks as Seth and I have in the last three games, and we don't play football. And when you have guys paid 
to get to the quarterback and and it's not it's even it's they're not even getting pressure either um they had one quarterback hit I guess they technically had two, but Dennis Gardek's hit on, on Brock Purdy was an illegal one. So they hit, like, Owen Papo was the only guy that got a hit on... By the way, I, I don't agree with that penalty either. Like, I'm, no. I'm like, what is, what is the guy supposed to do in that situation? He, hit him, he did hit him high. It was, it was high, and that's, I mean, that's... But that's the reality in the NFL right now. That he, he did hit, it was just the wrong place to hit him. It wasn't the timing of the hit, it was just the the highness of the hit. And so it was not a good way to go. But even still, no sacks for three games. The, the, we talked about, we lauded uh, the production, the sack production these guys were getting early on the season, and that has absolutely disappeared. Uh, Zayvon Collins hasn't had a sack in seven weeks. Uh, Dennis Gardeck, it's been forever since he's had a sack. Victor Dimikagey, the same. The outside linebackers have gotten nothing other than B.J. Jolari um, in the last few weeks. Uh, from the defensive interior, that 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 pressure has disappeared, um, and then like even before that, it was they they got Jalen Thompson had a sack and things like that. And so they're at, and and that's honestly, I mean, what can you do? What can you do when you can't generate a pass rush? And and I don't know. Like, and they've got nothing. nothing. And, and I mean, they, the and they've got nothing. so many edge players. So many. And then they added another one in Tyreek Smith. Um, they, they got him off the Seahawks, and, and we'll have to see. But that gives them, what is that, um, eight outside linebackers now? Let's get, let's yeah. get Collins and Gardeck, Demick Cage. Oh, Cam Thomas, who has absolutely played himself out of the rotation, which is, which is super disappointing because he was the, one of the guys that we were most high on coming into this season. And, and he played only four snaps. Um, his his production has been non-existent. I we forgot that he's there. So you got Gardeck and and Collins. You've got Demikaji and and um, Thomas. You've got Luketa. You've got Ojolari. And I guess that it, that brings you six. So you got six plus now. You've got a seventh outside linebacker in Tyreek Smith. To, to, I don't know what you're going to do with with him, but I guess it doesn't hurt to try something at this point. And you know he, right? It, 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 I guess it's all part of the the Buckeye takeover because they they drafted Paris and and now yeah. they got Tyreek and and of course they're going to take you know, Marv, right? So this right, we're, we're going to do the Ohio State version of what Philly's doing with Georgia. I mean that just makes it tough, man. Like if you just don't have anything to throw at it that works. You just have to continue to throw. And this is where, and I don't mean it literally, obviously, but this is where the crap portion of it comes in, right? Like, you are throwing crap at the wall to see if it'll stick. It has not stuck yet. So you're going to continue to throw crap at the wall. Um, and you look at you look at the, like what might happen next. You're saving, like... It, you're not going to cut Zaven because of his contract because he's first round pick. It's fully guaranteed, and and he's played well enough to be a base guy. Okay, um, he he hasn't developed into the the pass rush you'd hope, and and maybe maybe that you know one off season wasn't enough. Um, Gardek, like you've got Ojolari. Hopefully Ojolari's a starter, but after that, is there anyone that you're like we got to keep him? No, no, none of them. No, none of them. No, and, and so that's kind of what you're doing right now. And like you said, a guy like Cam has already played himself out of the rotation. So now you're 
you know, working through and into different things. And, and so that's where you're at at this point, which is unfortunate. Let's be honest. Like we had hoped for more and better and that's just not where it's at. And I don't know if there is an answer or what that answer is, right? Because there's not many choices in this case to, especially at this juncture of the season, right? Yeah, that's just that's just the hard part with that. And and I'm trying to think, do they have anyone? Let me. Let, I didn't even think of this. Uh, if they have anyone, even on the practice squad, that you can that you can even consider, you know, giving. Now, granted, like we know what we we understand this you can't just give a guy snaps you can't just give a guy snaps because they have to earn it that they just doesn't work like that in the nfl you can't they have to do enough you have to see enough in practice to even give them even a shot and so if i go down to to the practice squad and you know what they don't do not have on the practice squad? They do not have a single edge player. Yeah, so that makes it even more difficult, right? Right, <laughs> and so and that tells you is that they already have the guys that they kind of like, and they're just kind of rolling with rolling with that. And it, um, and it may not even be as much as that they like them. It could just be as simple as that they have <laughs> the guys that they they see the most talent in. And that's where they're going until they can find better. So that'll be that'll be definitely an interesting, interesting offseason. That now now the the one thing that we have seen is that because they have gotten sacks, we know that the potential is there. But the problem is, as you've noticed, if it's you've mentioned yourself uh, multiple times on the show, is that their pressure rate is so low. Their 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 success rate to pressure, their sack rate to pressure was. Uh, an anomaly, let's say, is what you would call that, because they were they were producing early in the season. They were getting sacks, but their pressure rate was really really bad. You knew that was going to come down to earth after you know there was tape and this and that. You know the things even out with 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 the you know aches and pangs of the season. But you know the, one of the best ways to generate sacks is to generate consistent pressure. You know, it's it's a kind of like a lot of other things, like in sales. Like the more the more leads you get, the more sacks you'll get. But you you're not going. You you have to get pressure to get sacks, because you're only mathematically going to finish um, a certain amount of times. And so the more times that you have the opportunities, that'll be it. But yeah, you know, Brock Purdy has his did not have to in either game that he played. Did not have to work at all. He just picked apart the Cardinals' defense every single time. And, and the only reason like that it didn't matter is because Pittsburgh's Pittsburgh's offense is terrible. Um, then you were playing Mitch Trubisky, who was even terribler for that offense, who who now has gotten himself benched for Mason Rudolph for the final couple of games of the year. Yeah, man. So and and so then you look at it, you know going forward is like you said what are the options and how do you find it and and that's just what they're gonna have to do now um you know where where do they go from here what are the options and, and where do they find those options and right now it, like you said i think they're just kind of stuck with whatever they whatever they have and and from there you know 
where they or they make decisions based on how where do we go for the future right and and continue like who are guys that we want to continue to see and continue to play heading into next season and i think those things are are where it's at and and that's where they're at right now and and that's how they're trying to figure things out because it's just not it's just not working uh and they don't and like you said they just don't have a ton of choices either Nope, not at all. And, and with that, we'll, we'll wrap up this edition of the Rise of Secret podcast. The best of Cardinals talk and web. So episode 497, Seth and I have gone over. This is our review show. We will later in the week have our our Cardinals-Bears preview picks and, and, and best bets, prop bets uh, show later on in the week. I hope to get uh, my boss, Alyssa Barbieri, uh, on from the Bears Wire to, to do a preview show with her. That way you've got lots of content to, to take you through the weekend and the holidays. But um, until a couple days from now, that's Seth Cox. I'm Jess Root. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in a couple of days. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Rise up Red Sea, be Red Sea Red, and of course, rise up Sea Red. Sea Red.